that God is in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. Why? Because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler and together with my wife, children and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. For those of you who may not have noticed, um, we're kind of busy with a series through 2 Corinthians. I just haven't said it out loud. But we're kind of busy with a series through 2 Corinthians. And... um, God has been dealing with some amazing things in our lives, in our hearts, and um, this message today, this, this segment that we're going to read is not very long, but it is so powerful. It packs a massive spiritual punch. The message today is called Creation Reconciliation, Creation Reconciliation. Because it kind of sounds cool and rhymes. And, and it's what it's about. Creation, reconciliation. Why is it necessary for reconciliation to take place? For mankind. Why? Why is reconciliation ever needed? Look at the the two wars that's currently taking place in the world. There's probably more, but the two big ones is because there's a divide. There's a chasm. There's a a reason that there's no agreement. Would you agree? All right. So to be consiled means to be connected together on the same page. No, it doesn't. (laughs) Because you have to be re... No, it is. It's it's right, y'all. You have to be connected. So if if the connection has been lost, it needs to be reconciled. And that's what's happening between us and God. Now, where did it all go wrong? This week I was um, spending time with my youngest son. And every every now and again I check if, if they actually know the gospel... Because if I fail at my home, then you know, I can't be a minister here. Um, and they are my first priority. And that's a side note for all the dads in here, by the way. Make sure that your children know the gospel. Amen? And so I was talking to him and I said to him, what's the gospel? And he looked at me kind of puzzled and I said, that's not a good sign. <laughs> And then I, then I sort of started giving him clues, and he goes, oh, oh, okay, I know what you mean. So he started talking through it, and I, and I said to him, why, why do you think the good news is the good news? Why is it good? And he looked puzzled again. I said, well, it's because there was some bad news. The bad news was that man turned against God. 
after he created him. And that caused a, a, a chasm, a divide, a split between God and man. That's what disobedience does. That's what, and God gave them one thing not to do. Have you guys seen those memes that says, you had one job. And we could look at Adam and go, dude, you had one job. Like, don't do that. You can do everything else. But how many of you know that when you tell a small child to not do something, they suddenly go, huh, <laughs> maybe I should try that out. <laughs> and then they purposefully do it. They have this thing, I don't know, a toddler. You say, don't put your finger in the plug. They look at the plug, they look at you and they go. <laughs> They're testing the boundaries. They're testing actually how much you love them. Will you step in? I saw this clip where they say kids growing up in the 80s compared to today. And there's this American dad. The kid, the little kid is crawling towards the plug in the, on the wall. And he's about to put his finger in there. And the mom's like, oh, I have to stop it. He's like, no, let's see what happens. <laughs> and he just, he just went, and he goes, well, he'll never do that again. <laughs> We are, we are definitely raising our kids a little bit differently. But consequences are a big part of sinning, right? Sin has consequences. And the consequence of, of the man and the woman in the garden not heeding God's one thing that they're not allowed to do caused the rife, the, the, the split between them and God. And now mankind and God the Father, the, the communion that was there, the intimacy that was there is now broken. And we see that all over our world. And the story of the Bible is the story of a loving father constantly trying to reconnect with his people. It's a love story. Once I did a, a message called Unrequited Love because that's what our Father in heaven must feel from so many people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loves. If that love is not returned, it's unrequited love. But God loves anyway. And he gives the opportunity for everyone to be reconciled with him, which is the good news. And that's how we get to the good news. The bad news is there's this problem. Man is not in communion with God anymore. But the good news is that through his son, Jesus Christ, we can be reconciled with him. So today we're going to read from 2 Corinthians 5 again. I want to repeat the last two verses from last week because it gets us into what we're going to read about today. So I'm going to just repeat quickly 2 Corinthians 5 from verse 14. It says, For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, we, we judge this way, that if one, Jesus, died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Do you remember that verse from last week? 
I, wrote, I, I read it last week in the New Living Translation. This is the New King James. So it sounds a little bit more official. But I want to read that last part again. And he died for all, and, and those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So the message there is, because of what Jesus had done, and if you get the revelation of what he has done, and if you have stepped into a relationship with him, and you are now reconciled to the Father, the, the thing that should follow is that you no longer live one way which was for yourself. You should now live for the one who died for you. Are we all on the same page? Okay. Now, we're going to continue reading in 2 Corinthians 5 from verse 16. It says, therefore, hopefully you guys know by now that words like therefore and but and all those are very important because he's continuing the thought and that's why I repeated the verse from last week because he had just said this, that he died for all, that no, no one should live for themselves but for him. Therefore, from now on, we, he's speaking about him, Paul, and the people who are evangelizing with him, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Do you see that? That's quite amazing. He says, okay, let me take you back to verse 14 and 15. He died for all so that those who live should no, no longer live for themselves. They have died to what? They, themselves, they've died to their flesh. All right? They've died to their flesh so that they will live for Jesus, which is a spiritual life, a regenerated life. Are we in agreement? He says, now, therefore, from now on, we, the apostles of Christ, regard no one. When we look at other people, we don't regard them according to their flesh, according to their humanity. We don't just see the body of that person and relate to the soul of that person. We don't do that anymore. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, okay, They've known Christ according to the flesh. Some of the apostles saw Jesus, walked with Jesus, saw him after he was resurrected. They saw him, in, some of them saw him in the flesh before his, his death, burial, and resurrection. Some saw him after, some saw both. Paul know that, knows that Jesus was physically born as a child, grew up without sin, died on a cross for everyone's sins. He knows that. But he says he no longer regards Christ according to the flesh. Yet we know him thus no longer. He says no, we know, no longer do we know him as Christ, the physical man who was on earth. Then he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. So what's he saying? He's saying because we no longer regard Christ as the physical Jesus that was on earth, we regard him as the resurrected Christ the one who has overcome death, the one through whom we can now have eternal life. We see Jesus that way. So now we see everyone, not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So when I look at you as a member of the church who has accepted Jesus Christ, I don't see your old man. I see the person who has been resurrected in Jesus Christ. 
And because I see that, I look at you differently. Now, I believe there's two parts to this. I believe that because he's writing to a church of believers, he is working from the assumption that all these people have given their lives to Christ and they are in Christ. And he is actually encouraging them and saying to them, because you no longer live according to the flesh, you live, according to, you live for Jesus, you are in Jesus, who we no longer regard by the flesh that he was before his death, burial, and resurrection. What's he saying? Before Christ, all of us are what? Not reconciled with God. Before Christ, we are sinful people heading for a eternal death. Are we in agreement? All right, okay. So because that is the truth. Now, I preached on this a couple of months ago. And I said something that could sound to some people as a bit of a shocking statement. But Jesus was the first to be born again. He didn't need to be born again because of sin, but he was the first to be born again to pave the way for us to be reconciled with God the Father. The Bible says that he was the first born from the dead. How many of you know that Jesus was born as a physical human being through Mary? Through Mary? Maria. Her name is actually Miriam. Her name's actually Miriam, technically. There's a long story why it's Mary, but anyway. So he was born through Mary as a physical human being. 100% man, 100% God. All right? Now that person who grew up, died on a cross, was dead, but was raised with a resurrected body. And the Bible says he was the firstborn from the dead. Now, how many of you know that he raised Lazarus from the, from the grave? So, and, 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 so why would we say that Jesus was the firstborn from the dead? Because Lazarus was not resurrected. He was resuscitated. He was dead and he was made alive again in the same body that he had. Jesus was resurrected into a new heavenly body. One that could just appear. One that could just walk out through walls. How many of you know that um, Lazarus couldn't do that? Would have been a cool party trick, but he couldn't do that. Jesus was the firstborn from the dead, making a way for us to be born again. Again. <laughs> as he did, as he was. It also says he's the firstborn of many brethren. If he's the firstborn from the dead and the firstborn of many brethren, but he was bo born already, then he was also born again to pave a way for us. Can you see that? He did what none of us could do. He did what Adam couldn't do. He died the death needed to pay for the sin of mankind, of disobedience, of pride in the heart. Why do I say that? Because in the moment that Eve looked at the fruit and saw that it was good to eat, she had already taken the, the bait of Satan, 
which was, hey, God is withholding something from you. He came with two things, doubt, doubt about whether God is good and doubt that God is withholding something from them. The same reason that the devil fell from heaven is the same reason man fell, pride. I want to be or I think I can be like God. What did the enemy say to, to Eve? He said if you, uh, to the woman, when you eat this, you will be like him. When you eat this, you will know what's, what's the, what is good and what is evil because they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Imagine a state where you have no knowledge of evil. That's where they were. That's why they didn't feel sh- ashamed when they were naked. That was their state that they were in. Now, the whole story of the Bible is to get us as mankind back to that beautiful state of pure intimacy with God, without sin, without brokenness, without the knowledge of good and evil, just trusting our heavenly Father. Can you imagine that? You can't, but try. It's very hard for us to imagine that because we grow up in this broken world that's broken because of that thing. Now, Paul says, we no longer regard you according to the flesh because we no longer regard Jesus as in the flesh. In other words, when I think of Jesus, I don't think of the man walking around before his death, burial, and resurrection because that was not a resurrected, born-again Jesus yet. The power came through his death, burial, and resurrection, overcoming death, (coughs) overcoming the evil one, so that in him, we can also overcome those things and be reconciled to the Father. Can you see that? So he's saying, because we no longer regard Christ as that in the flesh, I no longer regard you, my people in that church of of, uh, Corinth, I no longer see you that way. This is how I see you. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Creation, reconciliation. We were all created. We have a purpose. We have a reason for being. Did you know that? I sometimes think, yo, eight billion people around the world and God made each of them and inside of them, he gave a purpose There's something unique about every one of the 8 billion people on this planet. I really find that hard to understand. But I want you each to know that you have a God-given purpose, a God-given plan for your life. I can show you many scriptures that will confirm that. But the first main thing that all of us are called to do is to not live for ourselves, but to live for Christ. What does that mean? It means we live for his kingdom. We live according to his ways and for what he wants us to do. Amen? He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Now, old things have passed away. Old things have passed away. What is he referring to? This should be easy. The sinful... (laughs) The sinful self, the old man, the person separated by sin from God has passed away. What do we say when someone dies? Oh, they've passed away. All things have passed away. 
If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have died. What did he just tell us? He told us that if we are in Christ Jesus, we no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again. This is how Paul now sees the church. And in a way, what I'm hearing is the same principle when raising children is that you don't focus on the wrong things they do and say you are the naughty thing that you just did. You call out the identity in them. Say, you are a great young man with wonderful manners. If they do something contrary to that, (coughs) you say to them, what you just did is not who you are, and it's not acceptable behavior in this house. Let me remind you of who you are. Amen? And that's, that's what I'm kind of seeing that Paul is doing. He's calling out the gold. He says, hey, I don't look at you according to what you used to be, because if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is past. Are we following? All right? First he says, all things have passed away. Then he says, behold, look up, pay attention. All things have become new. Everybody say all things. Everybody say old things. Everybody say all things. All right. All things have died. All things have become new. Can you see that? Then immediately after that, he says, now all things are of God. All things have become new. Now all things are of God. Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and have, has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them. In other words, not letting their sin count against them and has committed to us, the apostles, the word of reconciliation. Now, there's a lot happening here, okay? So he says, all things have become new. So when I look at you, I don't regard you according to the flesh, I regard you as someone who is in Christ, who has been made new. So I look at you as a new creation. The old that you were, the old man, the sinful man is passed away. It's dead. But all things have become new. And all things are of God. So the new that you have become is from God. Are you following? How many of you know that the Bible says that all good and perfect things come from the Father of lights? So all things that are good and perfect and for our good comes from the Father and he confirms it here. He has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us what? The ministry of reconciliation. So he did something He reconciled his children through his son, Jesus Christ. Can you see that? God the Father working in Jesus. How many times when you read the New Testament and Jesus is speaking, he says, I only say what I hear my father say. I only 
do what I see my father do. Have you read that? Do you believe that? Here it's confirmed. Paul is confirming this, that Jesus was only moving when the father would move. So he says, the fa- I, I was, I'm, he reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And then he did this work of reconciliation. It's done in Jesus. And then he takes this ministry of reconciliation in his son, Jesus Christ, and he gives it to the apostles. He gives it to the disciples. And it says that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world world to himself. What is the ministry of reconciliation? It is just that, that God is in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But he was with him every step of the way. Huh? Come on. That's powerful. He said, because of what he did in Jesus and what Jesus did for us, he doesn't impute the trespasses to him and has committed us to us the word of reconciliation. That links up with the ministry of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation. When, when the Bible speaks of word, it speaks of, I believe, the scripture. It speaks of Jesus himself who is the word and now he's bringing us all together and saying he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. How powerful is that? What happened when Jesus came to the end of his ministry on earth and he said, I have to go so that I can send the Holy Spirit so that you guys can go and chill, have a party, enjoy what I've given you and keep it to yourself. No. What did 12 men whose lives were completely changed by Jesus, what did they do? They changed the world. Did Jesus change the world by his own hands? Did he spread the gospel? When he spoke, when Jesus did his ministry, to which people group did he speak? Only the Jewish people. Why? Why? Because it's God's people. His promise is to them first. Did you, did you know this? Sermon on the Mount, Jewish people. All of them. Did you know that? Some of you didn't know that. You're like, what? When, 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 a, when a woman that, that wasn't a Jew came to him and said, Lord, will you please hear my daughter? He said to her first, no. What? He said, I'm not here for you. Literally. When you read the scripture out loud and that scene, it actually sounds like he's dissing her. I'm not here for you. I'm here for the Jewish people. And then she is not offended by his words. And she presses in. And she says, Lord, I know that you came for them. But even the dogs eat the crumbs from the table. And then he said, your faith has healed your daughter today. And she was healed within that hour. But I want you to hear this truth, that Jesus talked and preached and moved among the Jewish people while he was on earth. And then what did he do? He said to his disciples, go to all the... What did he do? He jump-started them 
and said, now you go to all the other nations. I came to the people of God, the chosen nation, and the gospel, Paul says this, the gospel is for the Jew first and then for the Gentile. Hello? Can you see why we should be praying for Israel? Do you see why the church should be standing with Israel? Amen? When we see those pictures and those movies and stuff of Jesus preaching to the, mul- to the multitudes, it's easy for us to go, yeah, he's speaking to a whole bunch of Gentiles. He's not. His ministry was first for them. And also, when Jesus did a miracle, what did he tell people? Don't tell anyone. Why? I think there were two reasons. The one is that his time to be arrested had yet net, not yet come. And he didn't want too much attention before the time is right. But also, he was trying to, to focus on his mission, which was to bring the message of the father of, the, or that, he's, that the God they serve is a father that's loving. He's revealing the father heart of God. And he's also revealing that he is the ultimate plan of reconciliation and is the Messiah that they've been waiting for. And, and he, I believe that he didn't want that to spread beyond the Jewish people before the time was right. So if you have people running around going, he healed me, he healed me. Two things happen. The Jewish leaders get angry and the Gentiles hear about this Jesus. All right. Let's get back to the scripture here. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So we have this ministry. Now he says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Everybody say ambassadors. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Man, I love that. Did you notice that we sang that quite a bit today? It was all part of the plan for us to meditate on these words from scripture about who we are in Christ. What does an ambassador do? He represents the nation that he is from in another nation. The building that an ambassador lives in, that piece of property can be in one nation, but that property in that house is as if it is sovereign territory of the other nation. Do you know that? So if you go to the U.S. consulate in Pretoria, I think it's in Pretoria, and you walk onto the property, you are actually on U.S. soil. Legally, that's how it is seen. So an attack on an ambassador is an attack on that nation. A favor from the ambassador to this nation is a favor from that nation to our nation. You have the total backing, the full authority of that nation when you deal with the other nation. Do we understand that? Now, Paul is saying we 
are ambassadors for Christ. Now, he had just explained that God himself worked reconciliation through his son Jesus Christ and then gave that ministry of reconciliation, that word of reconciliation to them. And then he says, now we are ambassadors of Christ. Christ Jesus, all things, the Bible says all things are from him, to him, and for him. All things were given to him. Now that Christ, we are his ambassadors. God the Father, listen to this, God the Father worked reconciliation of the world to himself through his Son, and then that ministry, that word of reconciliation was given to the apostles. Now Paul says, I am now, we are now ambassadors for Christ. And now God is pleading, working, speaking through us to you as we implore you to do the following. Be reconciled to God. Is that a suggestion? Is it a nice question? Is it a, please go and think about it and pray about it? No, it's a command from an apostle who is an ambassador for Christ. And the same way that God the Father was working the ministry of reconciliation through his son Jesus Christ, when, when we are, as Paul is, in Christ Jesus, that is God's power working through him. He is representing heaven. He is representing the kingdom of God. So when he speaks, he speaks with authority, the authority of heaven that is backing him when he says, be reconciled with God. Can you hear that? Now, he says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of Christ. Who remembers the series we did in Romans? What was the first topic? The standard, one standard of God is his righteousness. We can only achieve that righteousness through Christ Jesus, amen? And how do we do that? We do that, the Bible is very clear. Whoever accepts and receives Jesus earns the right to be called children of God. That's how we do it. And we only want to receive him and want to believe in him when we realize that we are sinners in need of a savior, that we are forever split from him, forever not reconciled to him unless we step into a relationship with Jesus Christ. But that is just the beginning, people. I explained to you when we did the series in Romans that there is a justification that happens the moment you give your life to Christ. You are justified. Amen? In God's eyes, you are washed clean, you are made new, you are holy, you're a new creation, you are set, and you are heading for heaven. But that's just the beginning of your work for the kingdom on this earth. And I believe that this is what Paul is trying to tell them. He says, we've been given this ministry. We've been given this word of reconciliation. Now, the same way that Christ gave that to us, we are now giving it to you. And we are hearing a message from a leader to a church 
who is now saying to them, as Jesus was our example, we are now your example, and you need to go and do the same. And it's an encouragement, and it is a command at the same time. The encouragement is, church, and I believe this is the message for us today. The encouragement is that you can be reconciled with God. You as a creature made by God that was once, before you got saved, far away from Him, can be reconciled with God. Creation, reconciliation back to the original design and plan that God has for you, and it is in Christ Jesus. And you receive that, if you have received that, then you have received it because someone took the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry, the word of reconciliation, and being an ambassador for Christ, and they spoke up, they spoke out. And then more people got to be with Christ. But then they took up the ministry of reconciliation and they shared it with others. Why are we sitting in 2023 and we've heard the gospel? Why? It's because 12 men were obedient to the word of Christ. When he said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. He says, my work is done as this form of me. And I'm now handing it to you, the ministry of reconciliation. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit who will come after I've left. The Holy Spirit will come in 10 days from now. When it comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses. Witnesses of what? The good news that everyone needs to hear. Now we've been given the good news. We are ambassadors for Christ with a word of reconciliation, a ministry of reconciliation that if someone hears it, if they are convicted and they believe it, they also now become ministers of the word of reconciliation. Come on. So the the encouragement for us today is that if you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you are reconciled to God. You are a creation that has been reconciled to the Father. And you can rejoice, and that's amazing. But you also need to know that you have now stepped into a role as an ambassador for Christ. And you have received a word, a ministry of reconciliation. And that needs to be given to others out of love. Because you see that someone else is where you were, where you used to be. And you want to see them be reconciled to God. A creation that is not operating in line with God's original design for them will abuse themselves. And we see that all around us. Will we be Christ's ambassadors? Will we be workers of the ministry of reconciliation? by sharing the word of God, by passionately speaking about what Jesus has done in our lives, by helping people to encounter the living God. Because God himself, Jesus Christ, he works the work of reconciliation through those who are willing, through those who have laid down their lives, through those who have decided to say, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I have the mind of Christ and I have a mission. I need to go out to all the world and preach the gospel. To every creature, says Mark. I'm so glad to see you're so excited to do this. This is good news. We've been given the good news to give the good news to others. Amen. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church podcast message of the week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.